Godliness with contentment is great gain. Coming up on Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese. Is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Of course. When's the last time you saw a bird with a wheelbarrow? Storing up. The principle, ladies and gentlemen, is seeking first the kingdom of God, the priorities, all those things we're talking about. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. Scripture provides many warnings for the harms of covetousness, like this one from Proverbs chapter 14, verse 30. A heart at peace gives life to the body, but envy rots the bones. As a matter of fact, God devoted the Tenth Commandment to various inordinate desires. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, wife, his manservant or maidservant, his ox or donkey, or anything that belongs to your neighbor. Pastor Xavier has been highlighting all Ten Commandments and concludes the last in our Simple Truth series today titled, A Safeguard Against Envy. Notice the Tenth Commandment, once again, is very specific prohibition here. First, in the general sense, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, it says. Covet. It means to desire. To take pleasure in or to delight, also used in Deuteronomy. It is not wrong to desire something, as you know, provided it is permitted and lawful for you to possess the object that you're desiring. Now, the law was spiritual and not merely mechanical or external. And this is what Jesus was teaching on the Sermon on the Mount. You have heard that it has been said, but I say unto you, because the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they say, well, as long as you don't do it, you're okay. Jesus says, no, you've got it wrong. The law is spiritual. And Paul picks this out when he's talking about his autobiographical sketch there in Romans 7. He says, that that I don't want to do, I end up doing. That that I end up doing, I don't want to do. A wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of death? And he picks this commandment, the 10th. And he says, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. Perish the thought, God forbid. On the contrary, I would not have known sin except through the law. For I would not have known Covetousness, unless the law said, you shall not covet. He picks the one that only God sees to demonstrate the law is spiritual. Whether we do it or not, if it's in the heart, that's where it starts, right? That's what he's talking about. The prohibition of coveting against your neighbor regards his house. Don't miss that. Neighbor is the same word as in the ninth. Companion, friend, fellow citizen. Now, the implication being all that is contained in the property, as we will see the itemized list that follows. The source of the problem is the heart, the lust of the flesh. The process is through the windows of the soul, the lust of the eye. And the principle of the sin nature of man is the pride of life. Now, the Tenth Commandment Prohibition is given in the particular sense also, notice. You shall not cover your neighbor's wife, nor your male servant, nor female servant, nor your ox, nor donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor. The list is a sample list, not exhaustive, as we've pointed out. Remember, the commandment involves the thoughts, 
The warning is God is conscious of all that goes on in the heart and the mind of all men, Christian and non-Christian. This list has objects that would be found in a normal dwelling. Covering one's neighbor's wife was wrong then, it is today, and always will be. The institution of marriage is sacred, as we've seen, ordained by God for life. Now notice next, coveting one's neighbor's male or female servant was also wrong then, today, and always will be. We'll take them both together. Now, we don't have servants, and so today we could apply this to a person's gardener, the employer, whatever it is. You know, here you have a business, and you see this other guy who's working for this guy in the same kind of profession you have, and you see he's a good worker, and so you call him up at lunch, and, you know, and you, you entice him. Well, I'll give you um, 50 cents more. I'll give you a dollar more an hour. And you, you steal him from them. Coveting one's neighbor's ox or donkey was wrong. Then, today... And always will be. Now, today again, we could say coveting a man's equipment, his truck. Coveting anything that is your neighbor's is the prohibition of the commandment. Any object of possession belonging to your neighbor, whatever it may be, it's wrong. The person fully knowing their desires and their thoughts, they are sinning first against God than against the individual. In the context here, against one of the community of the covenant in Israeli. The God we serve and worship is all-knowing. The Tenth Commandment is a very destructive sin, as you know, in society, especially if it's carried out, if it goes from thought and desire to actual implementation. Coveting makes a person very dissatisfied individual. Have you ever met people like that? You know, we had a phrase in the 60s, keeping up with the Joneses, you know. And, and, and you know, it's always this kind of thing. And, and no matter what you have, it, it just doesn't bring satisfaction. Coveting caused a person to be always seeking things for temporary happiness. That's all they know. Coveting brings financial ruin to people as they get deceived. They get snookered. There's all kinds of scams out there all the time. Coveting can result in violence leading to death, as we said, of the culprit or the victim. How many people have been murdered for an insurance policy? Paul put it this way. In Romans, he, that whole catalog list of depravity says, even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to debased minds or reprobate minds to do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, Covetousness, covetousness right in that list. Maliciousness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness. They're all tied together. Have you ever heard the way Eskimo hunt wolf? It's interesting. They take a knife and they coat it with blood, let it dry. They coat it again, many coats. Then the Eskimo will go out in the wilderness and take that knife and he sticks it in the ice and the blade is standing up, straight up. He goes away. The wolf comes at night, he smells it, very keen smell, and he licks it. And he gets a little taste of that blood. And then he continues to lick it. And before he knows it, he's feeding off his own blood. But he doesn't know this. So the Eskimo, all he has to do is come in the morning and follow the blood trail, and he's got himself his wolf. What a vivid picture of 
people who are covetous. It ends up killing them. They end up feeding on their own blood. They don't even realize that. Wow. The real estate crisis, the bankruptcy bailout of 208, are all because of desire for more, more of the taxpayer hard-earned money, the sin of covetousness. The bank loan agents who coveted the quick commission of fraudulent loans. The people who coveted the house they could not afford, but they got anyway. The people who withdrew great amounts of equity because they coveted their purchase of another car, a boat, a second house, or whatever it is, you fill in the gap. Now they find themselves in the hole. The sin of covetousness is listed with fornication and all uncleanness and not even to be named among believers, not even appropriate for saints, Paul says in Ephesians 5.3. In fact, you remember Paul as he met with the Ephesian elders for the last time in Acts 20, 33. He testified, I have coveted no man's silver, gold, or apparel. If I have you, let me know. What an incredible proclamation. The number of Americans that covet things that they cannot afford and charge in credit cards is staggering. They will pay one card off with another card and buy themselves 30 to 45 days, thinking they're wise. (laughs) And then they continue to buy what they want, and they attempt to avoid credit collectors, and they don't see anything wrong with this. And then you have the uh, lawyers that chum the waters on TV advertisement. It's not your fault. We can help you. Shut up. It is your fault. You shouldn't buy it. You can't afford it. That's called stealing because you're a covetous person. When someone claims bankruptcy, the nation pays for it. It doesn't dissipate into the air. Someone steals something from a store, you and I pay for it. You make an insurance claim, everybody who's under that insurance pays for it next year. It's simple. People who live for things lose interest quickly in their latest purchase of a toy. And then they become depressed. And so we have a whole group of people in America that get out of depression, they go shopping. (laughs) And so they're depressed, the collectors are calling. So what do they do? They go shop some more. (laughs) They charge it. You should be thrown in jail. Hebrews 13.5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. The Bible is very clear on how we can live a life that is sound and pleasing to God, ladies and gentlemen. First of all, abiding in God's word. Listen to Psalm 1, verse 1 through 3. He says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sin, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Notice the progression. You are walking, you are standing, then you're sitting with them. But this, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law does he meditate day and night. He shall be like the tree planted by the rivers of waters that brings forth fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. The contrast is the next verse. The ungodly are not so. They're like the shaft of the wind being blown away. Secondly, presenting your body to God. 
Romans 12, 1 and 2, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the mercy of God, you present your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptance of God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be fashioned to this world, says, and be transformed, metamorphosed by the renewing of your mind to prove what is that good, acceptable, and the perfect will of God. Thirdly, check your thoughts. Paul the Apostle in 2 Corinthians 10, 4 through 6 says, For Though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God. For pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ, and being ready to punish all disobedience when your obedience is fulfilled. You cannot stop birds from flying over your head, but you can certainly stop them from building a nest on it, can't you? Good counsel, all this stuff. The interpretation of the 10th commandment confirms man has an evil heart. Now, let's finish then with the protection by the commandment. First, the Bible records many violations of the 10th commandment to warn the believer. They are so numerous. Lest we would think that were beyond it or that other generations didn't have it. Rebecca coveted the birthright of Jacob, as you know, so she plotted how to get it, and then she never saw her son again in Genesis 27. She got in the way. Balaam forsook the right way, coveting the wages of unrighteousness, prophet, Numbers 22, 2 Peter 2.15 and Jude 11. Achan coveted the silver, the garments, the wedge of gold there took the accursed thing and he was stoned to death in Joshua 7. David coveted Uriah's wife Bathsheba. He impregnated her. Killed Uriah at the hands of the Ammonites. Then his son Amnon raped his daughter Tamar. Absalom killed Amnon and sexually defiled David's concubines before all of Israel after chasing him out of Jerusalem, 2 Samuel 11. Wow. What goes around comes around, Right? If you as a parent are doing these things, how can you tell your children not to? David was a great king, but he failed as a parent. Terrible disciplinary, terrible example. Ahab coveted the vineyard of Naboth, and Jezebel helped him to plot, to accuse him, falsely accusing him. He was stoned to death, 1 Kings 21. They took the vineyard. Interesting. It was prophesied that dogs would eat her in judgment. And as she was thrown out the window and she hit the chariot and she lay there, when the eunuch came out, he saw the head, the hands, and the feet of Jezebel. That's all that was left. You know why? Because her head was an enemy against God. Evil went on there. The hands did the work of evil and her feet ran to evil. Gehazi, the servant of Elijah, coveted the gold, the silver, and the garment of Nahum. And so he got plagued with the leprosy of Nahum in 2 Kings 5. And you can go on and on and on. These are all records of believers who were enticed by covetousness. Now the benefit of the Ten Commandments was that they could keep it then, as well as the other nine, if they depended on God. So again, these commandments can be kept if one has a relationship with God. We have a warfare that goes on, but they can be kept. The commandment warns them of the potential evil of the heart. 
Every person is a candidate. Every person must guard their heart. The commandment awakened them to know that it had no power to help them keep it. So the law can command me, but it can't empower me to keep it. So I need to understand that. The law is holy, just, and good. It's spiritual, not just mechanical, as we've said. The law accuses me of being a lawbreaker. And then, if I'm not careful, it will entice me to break the law. Because I have an evil heart. The commandment would woo me then and them, to Yahweh, to do what? To resist the evil in me. To not trust and depend on themselves. To call on God to obey and to please Him. So the very command should bring them to the end of themselves and not trust themselves. The commandment would win their hearts then knowing that the commandment was motivated by God's love for them. It's not to ensnare them. It's not to make them fail. But to make them live abundantly by depending on Him. He desired their obedience. He desired their good. Nothing else. But also the blessings of the Ten Commandments was if they broke it, they could be forgiven. He's a gracious God, long-suffering, gracious. We've seen it before. As he makes himself known to Moses, he'll do it in chapter 34 also. The sin of coveting is a worldly mindset. And it misses the true value of things, revealing a very shallow person as a Christian. This is the context we're talking about. We are to live dependent on Jesus and be content with the provisions that he has provided for us. John puts it this way, 1 John 2.16, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eye, the pride of life, is not of the Father, but of the world. Jesus, having stated that there, where our treasure is, there our heart will be also, and that we cannot serve two masters, he gives the following conclusion in um, Matthew 6.25-34. Let me read it. Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat, what you will drink about your body, what you will put on, is not life more than food and body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. For they neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? Of course. When's the last time you saw a bird with a wheelbarrow storing up? Hmm? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit, 18 inches, to your stature. So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you, the Solomon in all his glory cannot be arrayed with one of these. You ever see a little flower, how beautiful, how delicate they are? And they just grow. And God just lets them dry out and grows another one. And we work all this money into, in, in this, you know, all this technology to try to make fabrics that are just beautiful and silky. God just, no big deal. I'll do it again. Now, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after these things the Gentiles seek, the non-believer. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need of all these things, but 
Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, then all these things shall be added unto you. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. The principle, ladies and gentlemen, is seek ye first the kingdom of God, the priorities, all those things we're talking about. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 6, 7 through 11, Now godliness with contentment is great gain, for we brought nothing into the world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. Do you realize they're going to bury you without shoes? You're not going to take nothing, as I told you. <laughs> Everything you ever work for is going to be left to another. We can't take nothing with us. And having food and clothing, with these we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and snares and into many foolish and harmful lusts, which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Not money, the love of money. For which some have strayed from the faith, Christians who have left the faith, in their greediness, and pierce themselves through with many sorrows. But you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness, good counsel. The way the Christian fulfills the Ten Commandments then is being in Christ and loving God with all his heart, mind, and strength and loving his neighbor as yourself. That's how we fulfill it, ladies and gentlemen, in Christ. The Apostle Paul writing to the Romans in Romans 13, 8 through 10 says, Owe no one anything except to love one another. For he who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not covet. If there is any other commandment, are all summed up in the same, namely, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does not harm to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfillment of the law. Galatians 5, 6 for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything, but faith working through love. Paul, quoting Jesus to the Ephesian elders in Acts 20, 35, says, It's more blessed to give than to receive. James calls it the royal law. Love one another, James 2, 8. John the Beloved, known as the Apostle of Love, describes, he doesn't define, he describes agape love for us and its potential in 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8, he says this, Agape suffers long and is kind. Agape does not envy. Agape does not parade itself. Agape is not puffed up. Agape does not behave rudely. Agape does not seek its own. Agape is not provoked at all. Agape thinks no evil. Agape does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoice in the truth. Bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Love, agape, never fails. Every time I have yielded to agape love, I have never failed. When I haven't yielded, I have failed every time. The protection by the Tenth Commandment is to not yield to our evil heart. And so here you have the Tenth Commandment. You shall not covet through the threefold perspective. The proclamation of the Tenth Commandment declares man has an evil heart. The interpretation of the Tenth Commandment confirms man has an evil heart. And the protection by the Tenth Commandment is to not yield to our evil heart. And so really, it's all up to us and our dependence on Jesus Christ. What a timely, timely series for the crisis in our nation because God has allowed 
the heart of Americans to be touched, their wallet. We're going to find out what the church is made of in the following years in America. Pastor Xavier Reese with a never more appropriate time and application for the Tenth Commandment condemning covetousness than the present. Now, just before we close, let me quickly mention that copies of today's study titled A Safeguard Against Envy are available on CD for just $4. And this will also include everything Pastor Xavier shared the last time we were together as well. And the title to ask for once again is A Safeguard Against Envy, or you can mention today's date. Now, you can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And thanks for mentioning the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. And then join us for more Simple Truths next time with Pastor Xavier Reese. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com 